Hello and welcome back to the Gimme Some Truth Studios. Today we have a guest, so everyone get excited for that. And this is actually the second time that this guest will be on our podcast, and his name is Tim Sugar. And last time Tim was on the podcast, he was in a different role, so we can talk about that a little bit, but he, he was a practicing attorney, and now he has uh, a new role at Fiduciary Partners, which we'll dive into. But we want to talk about corporate trustees. What are they? Why use them? When does it make sense to entertain that? So we'll talk about some of those things today and give me some truth. We have Clint here in the booth as well. But last time Tim was on the podcast was at one of the peaks of, of COVID early on, I'll say, and the market, everyone's account balances, you know, were somewhere around half of what they probably are now. And, you know, the, the market was doing great back then. But uh, we had to do it remotely because Tim was at a computer in his basement or living room or something somewhere. I was in my basement on my computer. Nate was, uh, was there with us. And then and Maggie Primo was the other guest. But Tim, welcome to the booth. This is great to be in person here. Yeah. Thanks, Mitch. Great to be here with uh, both of you. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit, just real quick, what the new role is? Because you made a change, right? And cause do a, a quick background again for the audience here. Sure, sure. So um, graduated from law school in the Twin Cities area, moved back home to Madison, uh, was a trust officer for nine years at a, a local financial institution, left there, private practice for the last five years, uh, partner at the law firm of Niter and Boucher, and have recently made a change, and I'm now uh, opening a Madison office for Fiduciary Partners Trust Company. Yeah, thank you for that. And one thing to note is that Tim has not had the salted caramel or ghost pepper caramel from Madison Chocolate Company, so we're going to try to change that hopefully after after the podcast here. That is a certainty for sure. Yeah, in <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner, so this this probably won't be posted till after Mother's Day. But you know, there's there's that. So could we just talk a little bit about corporate trustee? What what does that mean? Could you give us a, a quick definition there and just talk about what it's used for? Yeah, no, happy to do that. So, you know, when you think about um, your estate plan and you think about the roles involved in the estate plan, if you have a revocable trust-based estate plan, within that trust, you're naming somebody to uh, really handle your affairs either upon incapacity or upon a, a death. And a option um, when it comes to a trustee, you can either name an individual, normally that's a family member or a friend, um, or you could name a corporation, and that's where we would come in. Um, a corporation, you know, it's a professional, uh, neutral third party oftentimes, which is sometimes desired in a, a family situation, um, and just has the expertise and knowledge, and it's a job that we do routinely versus uh, when an individual is named, it's sometimes and oftentimes the only time they've ever uh, taken that role on before. And I don't know if there's any numbers to this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I'd say probably nine out of 10 times based on my experience, what I've seen where it's just a family member, right? And I don't know what, what your experience is, Clint, but it seems like, yeah, just by default, you know, someone, when they're naming a trustee, it's, it's a family member, right? And they may or, or may not be equipped to take on such a role. Yeah, because we're not part of the bank infrastructure at all. You know, we don't 
you know, we don't work with investment clients that, you know, work with U.S. Bank, or, for example, or, or uh, you know, a, a different uh, bank out there. I, I don't think we run into it quite as much um, as maybe per the averages, but I would say that probably nine out of 10 is accurate there. And I think the biggest thing that trustees don't realize is their liability and responsibility that they actually take on. So, you know, as investment advisors, as fee-only investment advisors, we're fiduciaries for our clients. Um, fiduciary Partners is the name of <laughs> Tim's organization. Uh, so, you know, what do corporate trustees kind of help offload versus a personal trustee then? Yeah. So, I mean, I it's interesting, maybe going back to your comment, Mitch, about uh, how often individuals are named in estate plans. And I would say that's really true from my time in private practice. Um, and as I was going through the interview process with my clients, and I would say to them, and I'd say, well, who do you want acting in this in this role for you, either as trustee or if it's a will-based plan, uh, your personal representative? And almost unanimously, uh, the answer would come back uh, that I, they would want a friend or a family member serving in that role. And I would at least offer up to them and say, well, look, I, I would want you to know that the opportunity exists to name a corporate trustee. And the response I got back was always, what? That's an option? We didn't even know that existed. You mean you could pay somebody to do this job for us? Um, and, and yes, the answer is yes. You could have um, a corporation do the job for you so that you're not burdening a family member at an already difficult time. And, you know, then that you think about the, the uh, burden that you're taking off a family member. Um, and, I, and I would ask my clients this as, a, as the lawyer. I would say, well, do they have knowledge of investments? Do they have knowledge of taxes? Do they have the time and ability to do that? They have careers. They have families of their own. Do they have a, the time to take this roll on? And the more we kind of went into the role of a trustee, um, I think the more appealing a corporate comes, uh, becomes to people as they think about just the uh, duties and responsibilities that this job entails. And another thing I could add there too, even, let's say they have the knowledge, right? And the expertise to, to handle that role. Do they have the desire? <laughs> well, right on. And you, and you think about family relationships and, uh, you know, the kind of the classic example of, of siblings and one sibling is named in the role. Uh, how is that going to make the other fit siblings feel that aren't named in the role? You're kind of already setting it up for there to be some tension in the family and then you take it the next step further and you say, well, what if something goes wrong? What if COVID happens uh, shortly after a death and assets weren't sold and account values have plummeted by half? Um, what are the siblings that aren't named? How are they going to feel about that? And, and who are they going to turn to um, to complain? Well, they're going to turn to the sibling that was named. And I would, I would have just much preferred to have the, the siblings all put their arms around each other and say, gosh, that bad corporate trustee, they've really uh, messed up. And, and instead, it's a, a unifying experience versus this experience of, of uh, family kind of, uh, you know, in harmony, if you will. Yeah, and you can sort of outsource some of that, um, you know, in that, you know, somebody might have a financial advisor, that's their fiduciary, they might rely on an attorney to write the documents for them, but it does not absolve that personal trustee from that responsibility of 
of looking over the financial advisor and the legal team and et cetera, et cetera, right? So, you know, you can only remove yourself from that liability a degree or so, and you can't do it all the way. Um, you're not ever probably going to fully get rid of all the liability, but at least from a corporate trustee standpoint, they are taking on the bulk of the responsibility and liability of that relationship to do the due diligence of the financial advisor and any other managers that they have around their finances. Yeah, right on, Clint. I mean, um, in order to shed that that personal liability, that's a that's a great uh, reason to bring a corporation in. As you put that liability now on the on the corporate trustee and off the shoulders of the family member. Are what there? Do, oh, go for it, Clint. What might be some examples of uh, where you guys might have to make a a difficult call in a situation uh, around a you know corporate trustee and, and a request that might be made of you? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think um, there's a couple times when this might come up, and, and maybe the first time to talk about since we're uh, on this initially is a- after a death. And oftentimes in an estate plan, um, uh, tangible personal property, things around the house, those are left equally to my children, right? And it's not assets that normally cause trouble in an estate. It's the items. It's the stuff the stuff that has sentimental and emotional value. And the arguments that I've seen have come oftentimes from uh, the kids trying to divide up the stuff equally. Um, and if you think about having a point person of a sibling involved in that process to try to help uh, reconcile any disagreement versus having a neutral third party come in and say, okay, gang, this is how we're doing it. We're all going to take turns. We've done this before. Uh, and this is the method. Um, that's a great place where conflict can be avoided by having a corporate involved. Um, I think your question, kind of elaborate a little further, Clint, is uh, in an ongoing trustee situation, you think about uh, a trust maybe for a spendthrift or for something along those lines, uh, that's really an ongoing trust. So that's a role that we would also serve in, uh, where there would be trust assets, maybe marketable securities that the trust holds. Um, the investment advisor would be investing the assets, and then we would serve in the role of trustee. And in that case, uh, the the beneficiary might come to us and say, hey, I'd like to buy, you know, the classic example, I'd like to buy a new car. And we would work with the beneficiary and say, well, your trust is this size. Uh, It's supposed to last you for this long. Instead of the Ferrari, have you thought about the Ford? And we would help counsel them and to say, look, uh, this trust needs to provide for you for other things in addition to the car. And uh, go back and talk with Clint, talk with Mitch, and make sure that uh, the trust can provide for uh, your income for as long as it needs to. As long as it needs to do that. So, what are some good or not what? But how about when? When is this a conversation that needs to be had? You know, when when you're talking with your family, you're going maybe you're going through the estate planning process for the very first time, or it's usually recommended to revisit your, your estate plan every few years, right? But we all know that twenty years can go by sometimes before anyone has has thought about updating their wills or or taking a look at the trust document or anything like that. But when when should these conversations start? How do you go about those conversations? Whether it's with a spouse, maybe, and yeah. you know, planning ahead, what does that look like? So I, I've heard a rule. I haven't come up with it, uh, but it's the 40-70 rule. And the rule goes something like this. If, if you are 40 and you haven't had the conversation with your parents, now's the time. If you are 70 
and you haven't shared what your estate plan says with your children or whoever your beneficiaries is, now's the time. And I don't know where that rule came from. It's not my rule again, but I think it's a good rule. I think uh, the more you can get out in the open and have these discussions before something happens and, and to elaborate to everybody that would be involved, A, what their role would be, B, what to expect, the more successful outcome you are going to have uh, with your estate plan. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the, the worst thing is that when somebody is named in a role, whether that's a healthcare agent, a financial power of attorney, a trustee, or a personal representative, and somebody's named in that role and they don't know about it, that's going to be an unsuccessful outcome, or maybe not unsuccessful, but not as successful as it could be uh, had they known that they were going to be involved. How often does a surprise like that happen? Do you have any? Is it more than what I'd think? I think it is. Uh, I've got two brothers that are in the uh, ER world as physician assistants, and they talk about uh, ghost healthcare powers of attorney, where they will pick up the phone and they will call somebody, and somebody will say, "I had no idea that I was named." Uh, so I think it. I think it does happen uh, more often than we would think. Wow, that'd be tough to receive that call and figure out. Oh, and I all of a sudden have this huge responsibility potentially and decisions to make. And yeah, that I can imagine that being. Kind of difficult. Hey, your college buddy just called you, and should you pull the plug? Like, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like, like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I haven't maybe talked to him since, you know, senior year spring break. <laughs> maybe give me a little <laughs> bit of a heads up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. So well, I, I think that one of the things that we need to consider, too, is that there's two different times where it seems like you guys do a lot of your roles. Um, you know, one of those things is it's named in a document. And then it springs into action where you guys, you know, an event happens. Normally it's death or incapacity. And then you guys spring to working with clients. And then there's, there's also the, I have diminished capacity or a family member has diminished capacity and they need a hand with something and somebody doesn't either want to serve in that role or they might not have any next of kin and it's too much of a burden to ask a, a friend or other like, you know, cousin or something like that, that you might not want to name. So, um, you know, some of the services you provide to people that might be diminished would be what bill paying services, things like that, right? Yeah, right, right. So we do uh, bill paying services where if there's just bills that need to be paid, we can take on that job uh, to make things easier for for the person. Uh, oftentimes, that's an elderly person that just doesn't want to even do it anymore. They might still have capacity. Uh, but they might just say, look, I, I don't want to uh, write checks anymore, and we can take that job on and help them out. Um, we can also take on kind of a full oversight uh, position and serve as agent under their financial power of attorney where uh, we can help monitor retirement accounts and make sure required minimum distributions are taken. Uh, we can help gather their tax information and work with their accountant to make sure their tax returns are filed in addition to paying bills and in addition to uh, working with um, advisors like the two of you uh, to make sure that investments are going okay and that they are, um, you know, providing uh, for whatever the needs of the client are. So, Tim, if there is anything kind of towards towards the end of the podcast here, the I don't know what I don't know sort of stuff, does that question come up when people are engaging with you? And like, you know, for one, we start off this podcast with, I might not even know what a corporate trustee is, right? And that was one of the first things right off the bat, like, holy cow, I didn't even know that was an option, I think was, was the comment you made. But what are some of those other things that people don't know what 
they don't know as they're getting into these conversations with the parents or whoever it might be. Yeah, I mean, I think from a from a corporate perspective, it's just an awareness uh, piece. You know, they know that there's an option out there that if you do not want to name a family member, you're not comfortable naming a family member, uh, there's an option for you. Um, and uh, we, we can be of service to you and happy to do that. Um, from an estate planning perspective, you know, I think it's just getting out there, getting your documents done, uh, putting somebody in those uh, roles that need to be uh, in place. I don't know, I don't remember exactly what the percentages is, but I, I want to say it's something like 60% of people do not have any sort of documents in place. And uh, that that's just a, not, again, not a successful outcome. Yeah, and I think we covered about some of those things, because just around the general topic of estate planning is often overlooked, and we talked about that in the last podcast. So I'll give a plug here too. Not ashamed to check that last podcast out. Was that from Was that from April, May? When did we do that? I think of, that's of right. Of twenty twenty, somewhere around then. Look at the Give Me Some Truth archive there. That's got to be got to be available still. I would imagine. Yeah, it's a travesty that people don't put together estate planning documents because obviously there's a certainty that everyone's going to die at some point. Yeah. And well, so not having that is is just can be catastrophic to family relationships. So it's like, you know, I challenge people to, yes, I know there's this whole, like, I'm going to be dead. It doesn't matter, but it does matter because it has those reverberations and there are going to be people that are distraught when you're not there and making that process as easy as possible for them. And then never having them second guess some of these things, you know, they don't know what you want for a funeral. They don't know how you want your assets disposed. They don't know what charities you might want to give to. They don't know what, you know, sort of distant relatives you want to pass on this to. They don't know. Or young kids. Or young if kids. You have, if you have that. kids that are minors, right? Like a guardian probably has a very different skill set than someone that's a conservator on assets, you know? That's exactly right. And think about this. Hugely different skills. Think about this. If you ended up having a situation where, you know, I'm a father of two kids and, you know, my wife and I die in a car crash and now our insurance policies spring to life. So you might say, well, I don't have enough assets. Well, all of a sudden now there's assets there and we don't have a plan for those kids. Well, then the state decides if nothing's named, um, and then that can be a total mess. And then, you know, also, you know, there's that personal trustee versus corporate trustee situation. So if, you know, brother Jim isn't really great with his finances and he ends up being the trustee of all of this and, you know, that money gets squandered because he thinks it's fine for my son Sawyer to buy a Tesla when he turns 18. And I'm like, no way, dude, but it wasn't written in a document that's happening. So, you know, if you had a corporate trustee there in that situation, they're going to go, eh, Sawyer, you can't have that Tesla, you know, you're going to have to <laughs> buy the used Dodge Charger. So, you know, <laughs> that's how it works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would echo right back at you. I mean, get the documents done and pull them out, you know, every three, five years, pull them out, read through them. Make sure that the people you have named is still what you want. Make sure that what it says is updated. And if it's not uh, accurate or updated and reflecting your wishes, uh, go in and see somebody and uh, have, it, have it cleaned up. Well, that's all we've got today for Give Me Some Truth. Again, this is Mitch. Tim, thank you for, for joining us. And Clint, I mean, you're always in the booth, so <laughs> thanks for showing up again. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we you. are off to go to Madison Chocolate Company. 
Wachter Kahnen Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Wachter Kahnen Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.